Lieber. This week we're going to be looking at the case of the Crown on the application of M.M. Lebanon and the Secretary of State for the Home Department. The citation for this case is 2017 UKSC 10. Now this case encompasses a number of appeals against the government's immigration rules. In particular we are focusing on a 2012 amendment to the rules that established a minimum income requirement or MIR of at least £18,600 a year for applicants outside of the European Economic Area to join their spouse or civil partner here in the UK. There is also additional money required for any dependent children. Most of the appeals we have before us today focus on the compatibility of the rules and the associated instructions that are given to entry clearance officers with Article 8 of the European Convention on Human Rights, which is the right to private and family life. However, this is not the only issue at stake, and one of the appeals also seeks to examine the rules in the light of Section 55 of the Borders, Citizenship and Immigration Act 2009, which requires the Secretary of State to have special regard for children when making decisions that affect them. Finally, one of the appeals looks at the minimum income requirement and how this is measured on the facts of a given case. In their judgment, the Supreme Court jumped straight into the human rights question and noted that under Section 6 of the Human Rights Act 1998, the Secretary of State must exercise her powers in such a way that is compatible with the Convention. However, we also have to remember that Article 8 is a proportional right, and so the Court has to apply the four-stage proportionality test set out in Quila and Bibi and Secretary of State for the Home Department in 2011. As a quick reminder, these four stages are Is the objective of a measure sufficiently important to justify limiting a protected right? Secondly, is the measure rationally connected to the objective? Thirdly, could the objective be achieved through less intrusive measures? And finally, is the infringement of rights disproportionate to the benefit of the measure? All of these questions have to be considered in the light of the factors relevant to this case, such as the public interest, the fact that children are affected, and also the jurisprudence of the European Court of Human Rights. The Court also pointed out that the rules themselves do make provision for a two-stage process that considers both the facts of the case as well as the human rights issues. With this in mind, the rules themselves cannot be challenged, but this does not mean that the court cannot examine the individual provisions. First of all, the minimum income requirement cannot be said to be unlawful, simply because it causes hardship in a number of individual cases. The requirement was introduced so that couples can play a full role in the life of the UK without having to depend on welfare benefits. Furthermore, the £18,600 per year that is required is not arbitrary or irrational, as it was chosen with this legitimate aim in mind. Moving on to the Section 55 duty to take account of the needs of the children, the court noted that the fact that the rules make mention of Section 55 is itself not sufficient, as both the rules and the instructions have to actively give effect to the duty. In this sense, the court held the rules and instructions to be defective and in need of amendment by the Home Office. Finally, we also mentioned at the start that there were questions surrounding how exactly the minimum income requirement is measured. 
In an ideal world, the spouse or partner who is based in the UK would be able to meet the requirement, but this is not always the case. The problem is that the rules are very restrictive as regards the extent that they take into account the potential earnings of a foreign spouse or partner who is coming to the UK. The court pointed out that although this may appear to be somewhat harsh, it does make their smooth operation much clearer and easier. However, in a context where a more evaluative judgement as to income can be made, such as the instructions used by entry clearance officers, then there is clearly greater scope for flexibility. In other words, there is no need for decision makers to be forced into making an unduly restrictive judgement, and so the instructions also require amendment by the Home Office. Looking at this case, or indeed any recent immigration case, I always find it enlightening to seek out the government's policy that is really at stake here. On its surface, the minimum income requirement does look like a way to prevent immigrants instantly becoming dependent on the welfare system, but beyond this it is also a means to try and discourage immigration overall as part of the Home Office target of reducing the numbers to less than 100,000 per annum. Naturally, this will have no effect on the middle or upper classes immigrating to the UK, and is only designed to affect those on lower wages. Such a policy goes a long way to satisfying the readers of the Daily Mail, who will no doubt be angered that the human rights arguments have been used to curb the rules in any way, but the distinction on income is clearly short-sighted. Many immigrants who arrive in the UK do get jobs that are low-paid and fail to meet the threshold, but their work does a lot to keep the economy churning. With the uncertainty of Brexit lingering in the background, this is of more importance now than ever before, and yet the government is minded to do all it can to get in the way of this. The former Home Secretary Theresa May is now the Prime Minister and talks about a Britain that is open to the world. Such a policy can only be successful when it applies to both those at the top and the bottom of the income scale. Well, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the UK Law Weekly podcast. If you did enjoy it, please remember to leave a review on iTunes. That's always very much appreciated. Also, thanks as well to bensound.com who provide the theme music. And all that's left to say is that I look forward to speaking to you again next week with another case from the Supreme Court. Bye.